our prayers aren't contingent on us being here on this planet for for God to act on those pl- prayers because it, it, they're rooted in Him. So He's the one that's 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 acting on them, and He can do things in the future that we, when we're actually with Him in heaven. Welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I am joined by my co-host, John Colomb, who is the Director of Spiritual Development for the Legacy Coalition. Our special guest today is Tony Souter, and we're going to be talking with Tony in just a moment. But first, John Colomb, <laughs> any uh, words of wisdom for us here today uh, as our Spiritual Director? You know. We- <laughs> Well, you know, I, I have learned something uh, since winter has just uh, come and gone. Um, I one of, one of the things I discovered is that if you take up cross-country skiing, it's really important to choose a small country because uh, it was really exhausting going from uh, east to the west. So anyway, that would be my, my word of wisdom today. Take a small country when you do cross-country skiing. That's, that is, uh, those are words to live by right there. Well, that's good. You know, as I mentioned, our special guest today is Tony Souter, who's going to be one of our speakers at the uh, 2022 Legacy Grandparenting Summit in October. Um, And I'll tell you a little bit about Tony. He's the CEO of 100 Years which is not only a century, but it's a ministry dedicated (laughs) to helping students, families, and churches flourish and bringing the greatness of God to the next generation. He's the founder of the Pray For Me campaign, which helps young people enter into intergenerational relationships built upon the foundation of prayer. He's the author of numerous Pray For Me prayer guides, including his newest release, the Grandparent Legacy Edition which is designed to help grandparents faithfully invest in their grandchildren through prayer. Tony and his wife, Rhonda, live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and they have twin adult daughters. Uh, Did I get all that right, Tony? That sounded pretty good. I was making sure I knew that person. That was good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to uh, Legacy Grandparenting, Tony. We're going to talk with you in a moment about uh, your ministry, but first... Uh, and we do this with all of our guests, we're going to ask you 10 questions that we call our Legacy Grandparenting Podcast Poll. And it's a quick way for us to get to know you a little bit better. So, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First, the best book you've ever read, other than the Bible? Uh, Other than the Bible, I would say that the book uh, Future Grace by John Piper uh, was probably the most impactful book for me uh, by far. Uh, uh, it just at the time that it came, it gave such clarity as far as how to walk in utter dependence upon God's grace each every, each and every day. So, sounds good. We'll have to check that one out. A day in your life that you'd like to live over again. You know, either good or bad. It doesn't matter. Well, the, 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 the good days are the day that I came to Christ, which was in 1998, uh, well, excuse me, not, not in 1990, any, it was 1978. Um, that was a great day. That was a great day when everything changed. Um, the, the second day that I would like to live over again and, uh, and renew those commitments was when I 
looked into the hazel green eyes of my wife and said, I do. How many years? How many years? Uh, 36. It'll be 37 in October. Uh, your favorite song when you were in high school? Well, I, I was in high school during the time when Grease and Saturday Night Fever were popular. And um, and so and then you, know, you got Farner and you got you know, things like uh, Hot Blooded and Double Vision. And uh, I didn't come to know Christ <laughs> until at the end of my time. So so those things marked my life more than uh, uh, probably hot blooded. Unfortunately, was a uh, a marker. Uh, one of my favorite songs. Then uh, when I came to Christ, uh, people introduced me to groups like the Early Days of Petra and and those guys. Okay, the best pizza is found where? Uh, I would say that anywhere that Giordano's Pizza is served is my my best pizza. So you can get that. The first time I got it was in Indianapolis. Uh, I was at a conference up there and some other friends of mine uh, ordered early and we got there because it takes a long time for that food, that pizza to get cooked because it's a deep dish. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that kind of caught me for life. So Giordano's. A hobby or an outside interest that you enjoy. Oh, I, I love to go biking early in the morning before everybody gets up and out and and because uh, we live not too far from the Tennessee River and there's a Tennessee River walk that go, and so I ride my bike over to that and just kind of cruise down and feel the breeze, look at the river. It's a, it's a great time. Sounds good. Tennessee River is beautiful. Uh, somebody who had a big influence on you, who would it be? Well, if you could name uh, yeah, one person um, would have been the, a teacher when I was in high school because he led me to the Lord. Um, mm. I, I lived in eastern North Carolina, and we lived right on the, the coast, which is the, if you're at the Outer Banks, the body of water that's on the inside of the Outer Banks is called the Pamlico Sound. Well, we lived on the inside of that, and so one of the key things that was a marker for that area, uh, I moved there when I was a junior in high school and the teacher, they actually had a teacher that taught how to work on commercial fishing boats. And so the teacher that taught that class um, came to know the Christ right before I got there. And I took the hit that class and he, and, and then I worked with him that summer in between my junior and senior year in high school. And I was a captive audience out there on the boat with him. And, mm. and uh, he made, well, that was a life changing moment. And uh, it was why we're here talking today, <laughs> that yeah. person. What was his name? Owen Lupton. That's great. We need more Owens. Yeah, how, you, how did you uh, meet your wife, Rhonda? Uh, I met her. Uh, I was a sophomore in college. She was a, a freshman, and we were in a Christian singing group together. Now, the 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 thing is that she could sing. They just needed some Christian guys in that group. So, so I fit that. Um, I really couldn't sing unless I, I had to stand right next to the, somebody that could sing fairly well. And I would just try to tune into what they were doing. So, yeah, that, that story sounds, that's the way my wife and I met. We were in a choir, uh, actually a little okay. singing group. There was a, First in high school, there was a group called the Campus Tones, but then later the, the the group became the Accents, and then we formed a little folk group, kind of a Peter, Paul, and Mary group that my wife was in, and we wow. called it the the Accidents. 
<laughs> ah, yeah. So uh, that was, but that was, you know, one thing led to another, and eventually we got married. What was the name of the group that you sang in? The New Creations. The New Creations. Good. Um, sometimes I ask uh, grandparents what their grandkids call them, but I'm going to ask you, what did you call your grandparents when you were a kid? Or what do you still the, call them? Well, the I only had, uh, just the way it worked out, is I had one grandparent was that was alive when I was uh, growing up, and that was my grandmother, my dad's mom, and I called her grandma. So Okay. All right. You didn't give her any, like, pet name or anything so no, a, lot no, of, a lot of a lot of grandkids do yeah. <laughs> all right no in, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> anything no, no. Le, anything left on your bucket list you know if you have the, one i don't know things you really yeah. want to accomplish or, or do or experience no the uh actually there's not uh wayne we, we you know one of the things that has marked us um my wife's had ongoing health issues um for probably 27 years and so just our world has gotten, even though my job allows me to touch base with people all over the country, um, our personal world is very small. And so, and it's very unpredictable. And so yeah. the, the, the idea of having a bucket list is just um, creates a problem really. Cause it's just, cause I, the idea of maybe actually doing it is probably never going to come to pass. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but we're we're just let me let me get to the next day and um, try to solve what what arises that day. But God's been very gracious to us. Yeah, well, it's great time. I, I get that. Favorite Bible verse? Ah, uh, Jeremiah nine twenty three and twenty four. Uh, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast of this, that he knows and understands me, the Lord, who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. That that verse, God has just really just seared into my heart um, of what he wants me not to find my identity in. He doesn't want me to find it in wisdom, strength, or riches, but he wants those things he's given us that I can use to the things that he delights in doing on the earth, loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. And so that just really is a, uh, a, a framer for how I got, go about life. And, and it's just been a great encouragement over the years. That's a good one. It's one of my favorite too. <clears throat> hey, I'm going to just throw in a bonus question here. Um, okay. What, why Chattanooga? What's, what, what do you love about Chattanooga? Oh, there's so many things I love about Chattanooga. We've uh, uh, lived here for almost uh 29 years. Um, uh, it's the scenic city of the South. Uh, you've got the outdoors, you've got the mountains, you've got the rivers. It's been regularly ranked one in the top 10 of outdoor cities in the country to live in. Um, so you've got all that. Um, but then they've done, like I said earlier, they've done really positive things with making the outside accessible, like this river walk that goes for miles and miles down the river that you can enjoy. Um, you know, you've got a great aquarium, things like that. I mean, it, but, uh, beauty, the outdoor beauty is probably the thing that strikes me the most that I wake up and enjoy every day. Do they still have a train? <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that we may be having some today. 
I think no train. No, some... train. Oh, I, train. Thought, I, thought, I thought you said rain, and I thought you know I think it may be raining today. I'd, you like know, a choo-choo um, train. Yeah, right. Well, you choo-choo. know what's what's interesting is I live probably three blocks from the historic Chattanooga Choo Choo, and okay. so it's right downtown. That there's there's a uh, kind of a touristy train that travels from there to some other places in the, in the, the area. But, um, and then, but there's actually have train, uh, uh, loss of words here where you can sleep. They've, they've turned, uh, cars, train cars into like housing where you can actually go there and sleep, um, there as part of the Chattanooga Choo Choo. So does it go to Ruby Falls? No, it does not go to Ruby Falls. That's that not part of the, the trap. That's not part of the train, <laughs> you know. But but I can see Ruby Falls from my house. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. You, well, I don't know that I've ever seen Ruby Falls, but I've seen all the signs. You know, as you're well, yeah. You can, it's hard to miss the signs. <laughs> it's hard to miss the signs for Ruby Falls or Rock City. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Lookout Mountain the, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the both of those are on Lookout Mountain. <laughs> Yeah. Both of those are on Lookout Mountain. If you if you miss the signs for Ruby Falls or Rock City, then you've been you've had your eyes closed when you're coming to Chattanooga. Okay. Well, we we just needed to uh, give some clarify this Chattanooga. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Tony. You know your ministry is uh, that you uh, um, are CEO of is called One Hundred Years. Um, why uh, One Hundred Years? That's an interesting name for for a ministry organization. Well, we are, we are a generational focused ministry. And so Mm -hmm. part of, even as I've heard Larry say so often, you know, you need to think about four generations. And as we're looking at, um, you know, the next generation and how we're helping churches and individuals think about their own lives, we're trying to help them think in terms of four generations that whether they're praying for their own children, um, you know, they get the whole pray for me side of 100 years. And then you've got what we call the youth leader collective side of 100 years. There's two, 100 years is a family of ministries helping every generation reach the next generation. So um, when we're, we're trying to help one generation reach the next, it's not just that immediate generation, but we're trying to give them a, a forward thinking view to think not just your, your children, but your grandchildren, but the, the ones yet to be born uh, the great grandchildren, and yeah. so when you when you add that up, it's about about a right hundred years. Um, but uh, part of that is that we we started out as just the Chattanooga Youth Network. Twenty eight years ago, when I was hired, I was hired as the uh, director of the Chattanooga Youth Network, which comes alongside and connects, coaches, and cares for youth leaders. Um, but but uh, in two thousand eight, and no, excuse me, two thousand fourteen. Um, we launched the Pray For Me campaign, which made it hard to kind of tell our story. Um, and so we ended up rebranding probably two and a half years ago. And because we we know that we're, we're coming at the next generation from helping youth leaders and helping them serve students, families, and churches better. But then we're also coming alongside of the whole church and helping them come alongside of every young person in the church through prayer um, in the pray for me campaign. So that's, that's kind of the, the rationale behind that. 
Tony, your your ministry, uh, what you're best known for, and certainly I, I came to uh, uh, became acquainted with your work um, mainly from your your writing and your teaching on the subject of prayer. How did you get started? You know, writing books and and teaching on on prayer. How did that all come about? Well, you know, uh, as I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, uh, my wife and I have kind of walked through some some dark and challenging times with her health. Um, and in that process, uh, you know, I mean, you're talking 27 years in this now, I remember two years into her health challenges, uh, I was walking a lot. We lived on one of the mountains here in town, um, at the time, Signal Mountain, and I was walking along the brow and praying. And I said, Lord, you know, surely this can't last that long. And, and I was so far wrong in that. And now it's been 27 years, but, um, the there's something about when hardship doesn't go away um, that forced us to go to learn how to pray and come to God in dependence upon him in ways that I never had before. And so in that process, that that well, suffering taught me how to pray and dependence and needing God to show up today because I need today's all I can focus on and making sure that my wife's taken care of. My twin daughters are taken care of, and um, and through that process of God just reframing my personal walk with Him, uh, then when it came time to looking at the the issues of of what's happening with young people exiting the church and leaving the church and and their faith, um, we started asking the question: Well, if young people are staying connected to the church, related to, because they have, excuse me, if the young people that are tend to stay connected to the church and flourish in their faith tend to be marked by having multiple adult believers investing in their lives. And so we started asking the question, well, how can we get more of that happening? How can we get more adults connected with more teenagers more naturally than ever before? But that was, and ultimately prayer became the, the kind of the, the, the base of that. But it started because of suffering. I, I, there's no other way to get around that for me. If, um, but, but when I think about it, Wayne, is this, that, that God used suffering over here with that, that was just long-term, it's ongoing, to do something that I never imagined. I never imagined that God would take that long-term, ongoing, relentless, challenging suffering and turn that into joy with adults and young people around the country um, because it's rooted in prayer. Great reminder. Let me ask you this. Um, what is the most important thing that you have learned and want other people to learn about prayer? It is the life breath of the believer that you, if we take, the, and this is the most important, I mean, I, I, you didn't tell me that question was coming, but this, <laughs> the, you take, we take prayer out of the Christian life and we don't have a relationship with God because that is, that is how we communicate. That's how we build the relationship. That's how the relationship is nurtured. That's how the relationship is strengthened. That's how um, it's ongoing. Now we can, because we, he's given us the word and he's given us creation, we can know about God. But prayer is the essence of how we actually build that 
our relationship with God and have intimacy with God and know him. And that peace has become so strong and so um, prevalent uh, for how I think about prayer that, that if we don't help people learn how to pray um, better and more consistently and make it part of their, the, the normal rhythm of their life, then, then they can be like, I have been so many times in my life confused about my relationship with God. I would say I'm walking well with God, but I wasn't praying well. And usually when that's the case that I'm just confused, I don't, I'm not really walking well with God. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, and it reminds me, you know, we just had a conversation uh, on, uh, I think our last podcast with, with Keith Farron, um, who mentioned that because he, his, his ministry is helping people read, read the Bible and, uh, and enjoy the Bible and not think of it as something I, I, you know, should do, but something that I want to do. And I know a lot of people, the same as with prayer. Um, There are so many people that I know that have a hard time praying and they know they should pray, but they, they have trouble praying and, um, and that's where people like, you know, at least for me, you know, people like Henry Nowen and some others have been very helpful in just learning how to to pray. Uh, you know, what words of advice would you give to people who just sometimes struggle with prayer? The, uh, that's, that's a great question. I would say that if we're having a hard time praying, then... Um, there's two things that we need to kind of try to pause and try to take in. Uh, first is um, understanding more of the greatness of God. So there's, there's, a, there's an understanding of the greatness of God and there's an understanding of my need. That um, some, of the, some of the verses that have come to, that have helped me have been, um, what do you have that you haven't received? And if you've received it, why do you boast as though you did not receive it? The implication is that that I am only a receiver when it comes to life. And so, and I'm a receiver from God, who's the giver. And so there's there's something about understanding that my next breath is a gift. And the ability to put words together is somewhat articulately is a gift and the ability to uh, move my hands a certain way. It's all gift. And if I don't understand that those, those, even the most basic aspects of life are a gift, then, then I act independently towards God. So that the more I can understand that my life is held in the very palm of God's hand and that, that the, I'm, I'm not just created by him, but I'm sustained by him and I'm going to him. That, that probably is the piece that when we understand our sustenance is in the hands and, and goodness of God, then prayer becomes much more natural and it's not forced. Usually it's forced when um, we don't have that, uh, that, that perspective is distant from our relationship with God. That's good. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, pray for me the the campaign. Um, well, it, this is kind of a structured approach to connecting people with each other in prayer. How does yeah. it work? Yeah. Well, it, 
you know, a, a church that's going to launch the Pray For Me campaign, um, there's a couple things that they would do. They would, somebody would get up and they would announce to the church, hey, we're launching the Pray For Me campaign. And what that means is we want every young person in our church to have three, adu- three adults from different generations that will pray for them for a year. Um, and if you're willing to pray for a young person, r- sign up in your bulletin, sign up in your Sunday school, sign up wherever you Sunday, sign up. And so basically you're creating a pool of adults that are willing to pray for a young person. And so then you have a time where you're going to gather those adults and those young people together. And sometimes when it, sometimes it works this way where you, you get those adults in the same room and you divide those adults into three different groups. And the students actually go and invite one adult from each one of those groups um, to be their prayer champions. They get their picture taken together. And then one of those adults prays for them that day. Um, sometimes that's, that creates too much angst for, uh, for, you know, a church and adults or students. And so a lot of churches, they'll just assign them, but they still have that launch day where they can meet each other. They can get their picture taken and say, Hey, this is, this is my prayer team for this year. And then what happens is the adults use the prayer guide that I wrote to help them to pray scripture for that young person. And, but what, what, tends to happen is this, is that once you you get a, a young person that has three adults that are praying for them, and that young person knows they're praying for them, that when they walk through the, the halls of the church, they and they see Wayne coming at them, it's, 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 a lot of times the adults wonder, should I go talk to Tony or not talk to Tony? Well, it's more awkward if you don't talk to me, because I've already invited you into my world, then if, if you don't talk to me, that's awkward. But if you do come up and talk to me, I'm expecting you to talk to me um, and ask me questions and ask me how I'm doing and stuff like that. But as a matter of fact, most young people start looking for the people that are their prayer champions. Um, I, I remember this. One of my favorite stories is this little boy named Andrew, who's a sixth grader and um, a typical sixth grader. He would, um, after I became his prayer champion, he would find me every Sunday. And I know he was finding me because um, before that, I would never see Andrew on a Sunday. After that, I would see him every Sunday. He would find me and he would come up and he'd do his, his middle school stuff. He wouldn't look me in the eye. He'd come up and bump into me and swirl around and then he would flitter off. Um, but he would find me every week. Uh, well, now he's a ninth grader. And just recently I went and uh, took him a box of cheese, Cheddar Jack Cheez-Its because we have this little thing that which which one's better, Cheddar Jack or Pepper Jack? I'm a Pepper Jack guy. and um, yeah. But I took them to him, and it wasn't the, the sixth grader that's flittering around and not looking me in the eye. It was the ninth grader that knew, knows that I've been praying for him for three years now, and he leans in and gives me a hug and thanks me for a $2.88 box of che- Cheez-Its. Um, but God's using it to transform relationships in the church. Um, let me, let me say this. This is, um, I was framing this the other day for somebody and I said, it's the, at, at its essence, the pray for me campaign is transforming young people's experience with the church. Um, so like when you and I walk through, the church, we were, we're really walking through primarily a sea of adults that we're going to know most of them or many of them. And we know that if something goes south in our lives, that they're going to be there for us. They're, they're on our team. A young person walks through that sea of adults that they mostly don't know. 
and they have no clue that these people are going to be for them um, if if the things go south in their life. And so, what happens is that they're, they a lot of times they're growing up in the church, but they're walking through the sea of adults they don't know. And then when they graduate, they look at it and they see it more as an institution. And it's easy to walk away from an institution. But what's happening is with the Pray for Me campaign is that it's really transforming their experience. They're getting these these adult relationships of people that are on their team because each year they, they get new prayer champions. So let's say for instance, from sixth grade to 12th grade, they could have 21 different adults that have prayed for them and, and connected with them in an intentional way. And so yeah. that by itself is transforming the, their experience with what the church is, not an institution, but really what it really is, the family of God. So that's that's kind of how the Pray For Me campaign works and kind of what it's trying to accomplish. And you've been doing this long enough to, um, you know, have worked some of the kinks out of the the logistics, I would assume. You know, I, I can remember, you know, about 20 years ago, we were trying in the church that I was a part of and, and working with the with the junior high kids. We were trying to get some mentoring going on. Yeah. And um and so we thought maybe the easiest way to do that would be to um, do it on kind of a uh, different levels of mentoring. And the first level would be to just be a, a prayer partner with a kid. So you didn't really have to do much except just pray for this kid on a regular right. basis. And then the next one would be you not only pray for them, but you also contact them ever so often and get updates and so forth. And then, so we kind of had levels at which people could, right. but it was it was hard logistically to make it work. You know, I we right. just the administration of the whole thing became really too much for our our whole minute church and our youth staff and everybody to handle, and it kind of kind of disintegrated with time. But it sounds like you've been able to put something together that a church could actually implement and sustain over time we did that as well and uh to bring to I, what did we call it um intergenerational tie it was a it was a better name than that that was shorter but it brought together <laughs> the same had the same purpose but we would uh we also added in our midweek uh bible study with our older adults uh, we'd had the youth leaders come in and the children's leaders come in and give us an anonymous prayer list of the prayer needs of the kids in the youth group and the children's ministry. And when all of a sudden the older adults began to realize the depth of pain and uh, mm -hmm. situations, you know, pray for my dad. He's just, he's back in jail. Uh, he's beating my mother. Uh, my brother ran away. Uh, my, you know, the everything you can think of. And the names weren't attached just for anonymity, but all of a sudden that drove, just like what's happened um, this week with the shooting of those kids. Right. All of a sudden, you and you get facts, and you and tears begin to come. It hits your heart, and all of a sudden you realize the only place we can go to is prayer and to lift these kids up in prayer with a name. You know that's the next step. And but again, you know we have to vet all of our adults. <laughs> It's a whole new world, you know. Are they safe? Right. And, but I think uh, this is this has got to be a must with with churches caring. That's part of the connection. That's a huge part of the connection, keeping them 
uh, trusting the Lord, loving the Lord. Tony, you've uh, also created a, spe- a, pray, a Pray For Me campaign specifically for grandparents. Um, this Grandparent Legacy Edition, which you've just come out with. What's different about that campaign as compared with your other well, Pray For it, Me the, campaigns? The, the Grandparent Less... So each one, each the whole Pray For Me campaign is designed... We started with just a, adults praying for students. Um, because I, my background's youth ministry, been in youth ministry 30 plus years. And so we're trying to, how do we solve young, young people leaving the church and, and give them this sense of that they're part of the body of Christ. And so um, when we first launched that um, with our eight te- test churches um, here in Chattanooga from four different denominations, we started getting calls from children's ministers and say, hey, this is great you're doing with that for teenagers, but we really need to start younger. And and so we then then we made it so that we have a, a, a children's edition of adults praying for children. So you can be, it can be done from kindergarten through college. Um, but then and really what took place is that people started saying, hey, Tony, you really need to think about doing uh, a grandparent edition of this uh, because grandparents, you know, they play such a significant role. Um, and, you know, to quote a famous, you know, youth ministry expert. Wayne Rice, he says that uh, the um, that <laughs> b- behind parents, grandparents are the most influential people in the lives of a young person, and with that, um, that they they after they kind of kept bringing that to the forefront, I said, well, let's let's do that, and so really the grandparent legacy edition is designed to really empower a grandparent. Um, who cares about their grandkids, but maybe, maybe, um, maybe they know really they pray really well already. Um, but they just wanted a structured way to praying about things that get at the heart of and character of their, their grandchildren's lives and be able to pray scripture about those things. Um, or it's designed to help, uh, grandparents that, that really haven't really tasted that way of, praying for their grandchildren and sowing into their lives and their future. Um, so it's, it's different in the sense that it's, it's, it's trying to cr- strengthen the intergenerational relationships within the family system. Whereas the, the, the other rest of the pray for me campaign is really designed to create this intergenerational relationships within the body of Christ. The, the grandparent legacy edition is trying to nurture and strengthen the family dynamics and the, the the intergenerational relationships within the family system itself. Yeah, so so the the whole issue of who you pray for is is which I would assume in the pray for me campaign in the church. There's part of that process is identifying, yeah, you know, pairing people up, you know, but but with a in a family relationship, that's that step is it's already in place. in place. Grandparents right. and their grandkids, yeah, yeah. So that's good, but you're just giving them some uh, some actual uh, tools, uh, a guide, a way of praying more effectively, and and because uh, uh, I think most of us as grandparents know that you know after after you pray for their you know for their grades and right. you pray that they'll do well in school or have for, you know then right. you, now what do I pray for? And I I'm I'm assuming that uh, you're 
your book has been very helpful to, to well, it, 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 it helps them focus in on what I call the seven essentials, Wayne. And the seven essentials come from Luke two fifty two. Yeah. Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. The two essentials there are wisdom and favor. Stature is not an essential because everybody grows in stature except for me. Um, so, <laughs> so that's not an essential. <laughs> but the other, the other five essentials come from First Timothy four twelve. Don't let anybody look down on your youth, but in your speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, set an example for all the believers. So, those seven categories are kind of the structure in which I found passages that correlate with those categories, and then turn those into prayers. And so, it really empowers a grandparent to be able to pray about those really life-giving core things that can um, shape their grandchildren in, in positive ways. So um, yeah, yeah, I think the other thing too, too that, that I've really tried to do in, in the grandparent edition is cast a vision for the grandparents that, that they can sow into the future in a way that, um, that far outlasts them that their prayers, they can pray prayers that can, that can actually impact their great-grandchildren. And because, it, because their pr- our prayers aren't uh, contingent on us being here on this planet for, for God to act on those pl- prayers. Because it, we're praying, it's, it's, it, they're rooted in Him, so He's the one that's, that's, that's acting on them, and He can do things in the future that we, when we're actually with him in heaven, um, which is really a phenomenal thought, but, but trying to empower grandparents to say, I can sow into those young people that are yet to be born um, in a way for the, who they, whether they come to Christ and how they live and the impacts that they make on this planet. Well, and if he collects our tears, he yeah. certainly collects our prayers, you yeah. know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, and that's, you know, that's such a hopeful outlook mm-hmm. for, for grandparents to have, too, because sometimes you pray and you pray and you pray, and we may not live to see our prayers being answered, but we keep praying knowing that, uh, you know, yeah. God is faithful and our prayers are going to be answered in God's time, not ours. And uh, uh, so I love that. Well, one of the things that happened to me during the writing of this book was that, you know, typically I would look out over our congregations and, and or in di- different settings and and see the next generation and young people, and I would and I would say, oh, there's, they, these are the students uh, in our church. But now I look at them and I say, these are grandchildren. These are the these are these young people that I'm looking at are somebody's grandchildren, and if we can help those grandparents invest in those those grandchildren better, um, two things can happen. One is that that grandparents can play a strategic role in what happens with the emerging generation in a way that maybe maybe they think that their 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 time has passed. Sometimes that you know when we get to a certain age we think, okay, I'm done with my role in that. But I think that if we can empower them mm-hmm. to pray well, but also um and I believe this with all my heart, that grandparents are the, are the people in the church that have the most clout and credibility and influence, um, that if, if grandparents get a hold of the fact that they can make it help every young person, let's just say it this way, help every grandchild in their church have three adults from different generations praying for them, 
then I think that we could have a revolution on our hands with with young people sensing the presence of God in their lives in ways that they'd never have before. Um, but I think grandparents, it could be the key to that um, because of their their ability, their clout, credibility, and influence in the in the church that many times youth pastors and youth leaders and children's leaders don't have. That's really good. One one last uh, question I want to ask here has to do with, you know, your your emphasis on you know in the intergenerational church. And John and I are both uh, former generations pastors and churches of our own, where we've tried to do that, tried to yeah. bring the generations together. And you know, when we were growing up, as you know, I, I remember as a kid, I was in a small church, and it yeah. was just naturally intergenerational because we didn't right. have a youth group really. You know, we everybody everybody went to the same worship services and so forth. Um, and uh, the Pray for Me campaign really is a church wide kind of uh, emphasis. How how can churches that are larger pull this off? I know it's it's a it's probably something that smaller churches, like I say, they can do it almost naturally. But um, uh, how can how can the uh, pray for me campaign be a a disruptor in a typically age segregated congregation where you have uh, different age groups that really don't have that much? Yeah, that would. I mean, that's what we're trying to attack that 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 problem, and so it. You know, if you're talking about churches in anywhere from 500 and down, it's pretty easy to pull it off. You get in, in churches that are a thousand or or more, it's a little bit harder. Um, and there's some of the issues that we talked about or alluded to at least earlier um, with vetting the people that are praying and that that kind of thing, and making sure that everybody's that you're getting people that you trust that are praying for. And that because if they're yeah. praying for them, their hearts are going to get bigger towards them and they're going to connect with them. Um, what we're doing with in those larger churches, I'm talking to a church in, in Birmingham um, right now that is really going to is probably 3000 member church. And they're never going to do it the way that we've originally um, created it. Um, but because of their child protection policies are too uh, appropriately um, strict and, and so forth. But so we're actually generating that through family ministry and through the parents, um, casting a vision for parents to see that if that they, their children need a constellation of adults that love and support them, beginning with prayer for them to flourish in faith and life, um, for the long haul. And so it, that they've got their family cluster, but then if they can identify three adults from different generations that they know that they can invite to pray for their children this year and then get new ones each year, then they're building this constellation and it's manageable because it's, you're, you're empowering the family to approach it. And that's how we're doing it with the bigger churches. They, they would never be able to do it the, like you already had got to that conclusion, Wayne. The bigger churches just – you're not yeah. – Big churches, you can't even get on stage to be able to make those announcements because there's, it's just it's just impossible. <laughs> exactly, so you have to yeah. do it through either small groups, life groups, or the family units. And so we're yeah. we're choosing to go through the family units because yeah. it addresses the the you know the child protection policy things and those kind of th- issues as well. Yeah, 
No, that sounds like a great plan. Well, listen, Tony, how, how can our listeners to our podcast connect with your ministry? Uh, how can they get involved? Yeah. You know, yeah, next the, steps? The, the first step is, is just go to, our, you can go to our website, um, prayformecampaign.com. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. Everything that they would need to kind of get a feel for what the Pray For Me campaign is there if they didn't get already that feel um, through the podcast right now. Um, but there's a if a church is interested in doing it, there's a quick start kit that they can get that that kind of just outlet outlines how to how to do this in your church. Um, and you know, one of the things that's been very encouraging, Wayne, is that because we launched the grandparent edition and we, one of the ways that we're getting that edition to grandparents is where we partnered with Christian schools. So Christian schools, many of them have grandparent days and we're actually partnering with Christian, Christian schools so they can give that, that resource to the grandparents on grandparent days. But I was talking to a Christian school not earlier this year and they, they heard about that and they said, well, tell us more about the Pray For Me campaign. Well, I told them how the Pray For Me campaign gives every young person this, this constellation of adults that love and support them beginning with prayer. And they said, that's what we want. And so they actually, this almost 1,200 student school from, from kinder, first grade to 12th grade launched the Pray For Me campaign and got three adult, had every student get three adults from different generations from their church to pray for them. Um, so that's a whole nother venue that we didn't, that wasn't even our radar except for because of the grandparent edition opened that whole door and God's opening multiple of those kind of doors now because of, uh, being obedient really and doing the grandparent edition. Sounds good. Tony, thanks for uh, being with us today. This is, this is really good stuff. We're looking forward to, uh, uh, Hanging with you a little bit in uh, in Jacksonville. Actually, it's in Pontevedra yes. Beach, Florida, at at uh, Crosswater Church. And uh, while we're at it, let me just remind our listeners that uh, we're still working hard on uh, the the whole program for the 2022 Legacy Grandparenting Summit. It's going to be in October, October 20th and 21st, and uh, it's going to be simulcast all over the country. So far. Our speakers include not only Tony Souter, but uh, Jim Burns, uh, Ann Graham Lotz is going to be with us, Tim and Darcy Kimmel, Miles McPherson, John Stone Street, Rob Reno, Michelle Anthony, Gordon McDonald, Crawford Loretz, and uh, and more to be announced uh, or are, are already announced. So mark the dates on your calendar. That's uh, October 20th and 21st and join us either in Jacksonville or Pontevedra Beach, which is there near Jacksonville, or at a simulcast location near you. Details are on our website, legacycoalition.com slash summit. So anything else, John? You know, I, to, uh, just to accent here? what Tony shared with us, um, not to be trite, but we used to always say, you know, seven days without prayer makes one week. <laughs> and I think... If there, I mean, you and I ran youth group, very exciting things going on. We could draw the crowds, but I don't think anything is as important as this. And I think we're more aware of that reality today as we look at our world. Uh, and I think back to Tony when, um, well, our, Paul, our friend Paul Fleshman came up with an idea of meet me at the pole, um, gathering kids at the school to begin to pray for, for 
their fellow students, for their school, for their nation. And we need to bring this to the church. <laughs> you know, meet me in the worship center or meet me in the basement of the church. Uh, let's. I, I just think it's a marvelous idea. Not just an idea. It's 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 a great way to fulfill the command of praying, yeah. talking to the Lord. So bless you, man, for this ministry. It's more than a program, and pulling us back to the most essential things we live for and are about. Thanks again to Tony Souter for being our guest today, and that wraps up Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and John Cologne saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.